God, this morning I pray that you, um, you open our hearts to hear from you, Lord Jesus, that, that what I come up and speak this morning, Lord, would not be my words, but they'd be yours, Lord Jesus, that you'd use me for your glory and that each of us here, Lord God, we'd learn more about you, a new aspect of you that, you, that you'd reveal to us this morning. I pray that we have a little bit of fun on the way. Amen. All right, let's look at the Bible. I'm going to do a, li- a bit of the Bible this morning. Um, I hope you guys don't mind. I mean, I hope you don't mind. It'd be pretty poor if you did. But um, there are so many examples of God, ex- of God, like encountering people through music and singing in the Bible. Um, there's a whole book dedicated to it, like Dad said. Um, but I don't have time to share <laughs> a lot of scriptures. I had like about five that I wanted to, but I'm just going to share one um, to start with, just just to set the tone. It's in Two Chronicles. 5 verse 12 to 14 and it's right after Solomon's finished building God's temple and they're all the all the Israelites are coming to celebrate the opening of the temple so let's read it um all the Levitical singers with cymbals harps and lyres stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters can you imagine having 120 trumpeters up the front here that would sound terrible (laughs) and it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make them I'm sure it sounded amazing but Um, It was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise of the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. It's a really clear moment. These people are worshipping with praise um, through music and through song and God responds and comes and meets him in that moment comes and fills them and comes and brings his presence in that moment and the amazing thing now is we're we're the temple of God so when we come to worship he's going to fill us he's going to respond in the same way for us because Jesus has come and connected us so it's yeah because this is Old Testament God's coming and not feeling them specifically but like now we've got that opportunity to be filled by God every time we come to sing and praise and are encountered by God so that's the amazing thing about worship um they're all they're all powerful ways that god can reveal himself through our singing through our intentionality in, the, in those moments but these moments aren't just enough on their own so we can have these moments but if we go away from them and, and stay the same then it's not enough we need to make ourselves available to god and respond in these moments so it's our response that's really important and that's what i really like like i said that's what i want to um talk about god actually throughout the Bible actually rebukes turning away from him he actually talks about in the Old Testament he tells the the Israelites over and over again don't turn away and go to other idols stay stay true to me and I'll bless you Um, and then and then in the New Testament in um in in the letters to that Paul and a bunch of other people write especially in Hebrews and to Peter they talk really specifically about not forsaking God once he's revealed himself to us once once we've invited him in so it's really important to understand that we need to respond to God when he speaks to us so how do we respond all right this morning I'm going to talk about two examples first example is going to be Isaiah and that's a good example and the second example is going to be the Israelites which is a bad example so let's get into it so let's read Isaiah 6 verse 1 together um oh Isaiah awesome all right in the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. This is Isaiah speaking. He's getting a vision from God. Above him stood the seraphim. Uh, seraphim is plural for seraph. I found that out this week. Um, and it is angels, basically. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. 
And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I, Isaiah, said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal, next slide, um, and a taken that, that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then he said, Here I am. Then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say this to the people. All right, amazing moment here. But the, there's a few things I want to focus on here that I'll get to a little bit more later. But I, would, I, I just want to highlight a couple of key points before we go to the Israelites example. The first point is that God revealing himself to Isaiah in this moment is really impactful. Like the description and the imagery of this moment is big. It's the big temple, God's the trail of his robe is filling the whole temple and these seraphim are shaking the foundations of the temple. Like, that's, a, that's not a small moment. There's, the, the voices are shaking the temple. And actually, like, the, like we read here, and like there's no music here, there's no singing here, but the thing about what the seraphim are doing in this moment is they're declaring the truth of God and they're speaking out God's word and they're doing it in unison in, in a congregation. And that's actually the power of our worship. That's the power of when we sing and we sing together. That's the same thing as when the seraphim are, are, are up there saying, like saying those words to each other, calling out to each other. Um, so yeah, it's an amazing moment where God reveals himself. The second one I want to talk about is, is the humility that Isaiah responds with. His two responses, woe is me and send me, are the two important statements here. So I'm going to talk about that more later, but just keep in mind, woe is me and send me. Those are the two important um, moments for Isaiah. And third, God asks for obedience. Hearing God speaking in these moments is often going to mean you need to obey and be available to God. God's going to speak to you. If God's going to speak to you, he's going to want you to respond to him. It's like Dad's talked about in the past and what other people have talked about. A relationship isn't one way with God. It's two ways. So we'll talk more about that. And I know on Sunday, it's not like we're seraphim up on stage and the music doesn't shake the building that we're in. Like, but God works through music and singing, no matter what it is. If we're putting God first above ourselves, then God's going to work through that and he's going to reveal more of himself to us. So yeah, that's Isaiah. That's the example there. Keep that in mind. I'll talk more about that later, but that's Isaiah. Next one, the Israelites. So to set the tone here, I'm going to give a little bit of background. Um, I'm coming in right after the Israel, right after Israel has just been broke out of Egypt. So you guys know the story of where Jesus, what, not Jesus, where God lets, basically sets the Israelites free from slavery and bondage in Egypt. We've watched the movie Prince of Egypt. Um, we've seen Moses and like all the amazing things that God did through Moses and all these amazing signs and wonders when they split the Red Sea and got away from their oppressors. And it was this amazing moment of freedom and restoration to God. But what happens right after then? The Israelites are in the desert and they're wandering and they're restless, they're tired, they're homeless and they're grumbling. Like <laughs> you actually read in the Bible, it says um, the Israelites grumbled to Moses and said, why have you brought us here? We could have food in Egypt. We could have this and that in Egypt. Now you're, we're out here in the middle of the desert. Can you imagine that? You just got away from being in slavery and now you're whinging about something else anyway. Um, I mean, I shouldn't judge really, but anyway. Um, 
So God provides. They ask and God provides. God gives them food from nothing. He gives them manna. And he actually sends them, there's actually a, a, a passage where they grumble for meat and he sends them quail just out of nowhere so they can eat meat. It's very funny. Anyway, God gives them water from a rock when they're thirsty. So Moses, come, so, so they're thirsty and basically Moses hits a stone and, and water comes out of it and they can all drink. It's, uh, and then um, a nation comes and attacks them and God leads them to victory against them. So God consistently in the next couple of chapters shows himself to the Israelites as their provider and as their savior. So then we end up at Mount Sinai, where we're ready to hear the Ten Commandments and God's ready to share them with the people. God actually gives the people very specific instruction through Moses because he wants to speak to them directly. Um, it's going to be a really big moment. That God actually says you have to have three days to prepare for this moment. So imagine that, like we're coming to church. Oh, we have six days each week to pre- prepare for church. But like three days specifically, you have to prepare for this moment because God's going to come and he's going to speak to you directly. So... Let's read what that moment is in Exodus 19:16 to 19. So, on the morning of the third day, after they've waited the three days, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Yeah, that's music. It's good. So that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. Can you imagine that? Some people, like, maybe just close your eyes right now and just, like, picture a mountain filled with smoke and a trumpet coming from nowhere. No one else is playing a trumpet. You're turning to each other, like, where is this trumpet coming from? And then, a thun- and, then, and then your leader speaks, and all of a sudden there's this thunder that speaks back. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it talks about the Israelites trembling. I understand a little bit. But, like, it is, it is the glory of God, really, in this moment. So this follows by God reading the Ten, well, actually speaking the Ten Commandments out to the Israelites. And he speaks it out audibly to the, to, to the Israelites. Um, and, it's, and that makes it really significant to the Israelites because it's one of the few times that God actually, especially probably one of the, I, I, have, I have to have Dad correct me on this, but it's probably one of the only times where God speaks to the whole nation for them all to hear the, these Ten Commandments. And that's, why, that's one of the reasons why it's really significant because it, it sets that foundation for Israel to live by. So I'm not going to talk about that though. Um, it's a moment that reveals a new aspect of God is of, of who God is, though. Someone who wants to speak, someone who wants to lead people, and who, who actually cares about their like, day-to-day life and cares about how they can live it in the best possible way. So, there's the amazing moment. How do the Israelites respond? So, here's the initial, in, in, initial response. This is in Exodus 20, 18 to 19. After the Ten Commandments have been read out to the Israelites. Now when all the people saw the thunder and flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Now, a part of this isn't wrong from the Israelites because they were right if they, 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 they weren't ready to hear from God. God actually speaks later and says, yes, they were right. They, didn't, they weren't really ready for me. But their response, but that's because their response isn't right. They come into this moment not with this holy awe and reverence for God, but with this fear and terror of God that God's going to strike them down because, they're sp- because he's speaking to them. But God didn't want to do that. God talked about wanting to speak to them and wanting to actually reveal himself to them. Um, so even though they had three days to prepare and actually get ready for this moment, they, their response is to close off and hold back and, 
step back and say, Moses, you go experience God. I don't want to experience God right now. You go do it, and then we'll hear from you, and, that, and, and that's good enough for us. And we see immediately after, in like the next couple of chapters, after Moses gets all these words from God, he's, he's up on Mount Sinai for 40 days. The Israelites basically fall apart. Um, it talks about that in the time that Moses is away, the Israelites literally forget one of the most important commandments. Don't make an idol to worship, and they make a golden calf to worship. It's like God just spoke to you this commandment, and you go and do this. And they run amok and they actually turn on each other. Moses comes down from the mountain and sees the Israelites running amok and actually not, like, separated. And what happens is they actually turn on each other. And there's a battle that ensues after Moses comes down from the mountain in, in this moment. And 3,000 Israelites kill each other. Like, this is a really significant moment. God just spoke to them all. And this is going to be a moment that's remembered forever by Jews. Forever. And it followed by, just straight away, they turn away from God. It's not the response that we want. Um, so yeah, how do we act like Isaiah when we experience God and not the Israelites? All right. How are we feeling? We feeling all right? A couple of heavy moments, a bit of Old Testament for you guys. I'll bring some New Testament into it, don't worry about it. I've taken away four key actions from Isaiah's response that I really want you to get a hold of to understand that when God gives you a revelation of himself through music, through words, through singing together, how we should respond and how we can change and how we can actually live that life and actually change and do, do work for God and respond in the right way. So first point, awe of God. So Isaiah 6 verse 3, this is what the seraphim sing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So as I said before, this passage goes to really great lengths to describe the majesty of this image and the power of what God shows to the, to the Israelites. We read before about how the train of his robe filled the temple and the foundations trembled at the speaking of the seraphim. And if you look all through the Bible, you see so many moments where God is revealing his majesty and wonder to people from... Yeah, I don't think... Uh, yeah, and, and often it's through speaking. God's speaking to us all the time and constantly revealing himself to us. Like Dad said, and, and like what we're speaking about in Matthew, um, if we seek first the kingdom of God, God's going to come and speak to us and he's going to come and reveal, re- reveal himself to us because he desperately wants to. He desperately wants us closer to him. So the more we seek, the more we're going we're gonna to find out. And that's going to be... And, it, and it's amazing. And the thing about this, this, this passage... Um, where, where what the seraphim are saying, they say the whole earth is full of his glory. You can get a hold of that. You realize that every single, like everywhere we go, his glory is there. And we can find that awe and wonder. Music's one big part of it because music is created by God. Music is created by God and used as, as, his, as his instrument to basically connect with us and, 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 and move and reveal new parts of himself, give us new revelations of him. Psalm Psalm 40 says, if I tried to recite all of your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. God's endless. Like, there's nothing in this world that can satisfy the same way that God can. 
everything else has an end. Everything else has a limit, but God doesn't. So every single time you go to him and you, and you, and you think, okay, I've worked out God. He's going to reveal something new, for, new to you. You think you're in a good place with God and you realize there's more. There's even more. There's more. There's just so many facets and aspects of, aspects of him that we can capture and we can get a hold of to help renew us, to help strengthen us, and to help give us more and more peace and love mercy all those i mean i i I can't list them all off but basically we we have this amazing god and we need to be in awe of that we need to understand that like he's amazing and we need to be like flip this is great so let yourself be filled with the awesomeness and let yourself be taken by it don't don't be happy with it don't be settled with what god is be like wow this is amazing this isn't this isn't just a small little thing happening like my life isn't just a small little insignificant piece because God actually cares about it yeah so that's awe of God so Isaiah has that awe of God he has that moment where he where he basically is filled with that awe and we'll see his response in the next humility Isaiah 6 5 and I said woe is me remember for I am lost for I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king the lord of hosts this is a tricky one here because often humility we think about, um, we, we can tend to think of it as like lo- looking down on ourselves. And it's like we have to understand that it's not quite that, but it is understanding and like acknowledging our weakness. This is what Isaiah does here. He says, woe is me. He understands that he is not, um, he realizes in the midst of like God, of, the, of, the, of almighty God, and he He's just a man. He's made mistakes. The people around him have made mistakes. And he knows that he's not worthy in that moment. And that's, and, and that's what I want to get to in this moment. It leads Isaiah to repentance here. And repentance is something, a bit of a, bit of a dirty word at the moment, like with a lot of the societal connotation of it. But repentance in its purest form is what we all do when we come to God. We say, Look, I, I, I've made mistakes. I know I'm not good enough. I know that I, I'll keep falling over. I'll keep hurting people. I'll keep doing stuff wrong. But I want to change and I want you to move in my life. And it's that acknowledgement that we have weaknesses, that we have things we're going to slip up in, that we have areas that we're not perfect in. And Isaiah's the same. Isaiah's not a perfect person. And he's saying here, he's, he's responding with repentance. And it's, it's, it's because of his humility to understand that God is greater it leads him to repentance. So Jesus talks about humility a fair bit in the New Testament, but one, one such moment is in the Beatitudes when he's given the Sermon on the Mount and he talks about all the, all the good qualities that God loves, and one of them is humility. In Matthew 5, 5, he says, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. How about that? The whole earth is, is that for those who are humble. This act of humility in these moments is about putting God first before yourself. So in these moments where God is revealing himself and he, has, and he fills you with awe, put him before yourself. Understand that he is first and you're second. When you do that, God is merciful and loving and he will reward you, which I'm going to talk about in the next point. But if you can get that idea of humility and repentance, that's really important for when, we're re- for when God wants to reveal himself. Awesome. All right, so first one, awe of God. Second one, humility. Third one, trust, trusting God. You see, these all are actions. I want you to get away from that. These are actions to do. 
All right, Isaiah 6, verse 7. Behold, this is the seraphim speaking. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. But that might as well be God speaking because God's dictating their actions. Isaiah, I just talked about Isaiah's humility. When Isaiah humbles himself before God and repents before God, it's God then reacts and God actually intervenes for him. God acts on his behalf because... Isaiah knows that if, that, that if he's in this place with God, he's not getting out alive because he's not, per- he's not perfect. He's not holy to be, to be in that area. But God knows that and God responds to his act of humility and says, you can trust me. I'm going to heal you of your, of your issues. I'm going to make you clean so that you can stand in this place with me. I mean, that's not a small thing to do. God literally, like Isaiah's literally bound for death in this moment. But God intervenes and says, no, I care about you because you, cause you want to, you know the, like, or you, you, yeah, you've taken in my awe and power and, I, and, and you've humbled yourself before me. I'm going to respond and heal you. This example shows why we need to trust God and why we can trust God. God knows our needs. He knows what we need in each situation. He will respond in the right way. He knows our weaknesses and he knows and he will bring glory through our weaknesses. In, in 2 Corinthians 12, 19, God speaks to Paul and God says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. We can trust God because even though we are weak, God is strong. Humbling yourself before God and trusting him when you're weak will bring glory to God and it will bring you strength. So trust in God. He cares about you and will respond when you need it. God always comes through when you need it, when you trust him. Even though the storm might feel like it never ends, God will always come through. Like it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Amen? Yeah. You can trust him. Awesome. So the last point, this is the kicker. Isaiah's taken in God's awe. He's humbled himself before God. And then God has like intervened and given him what he needs. Then Isaiah has a chance to basically um, put that trust of God into practice. Listen to God and respond. Isaiah 6 verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for me? Then I said, Isaiah, here I am, send me. Make yourself available to God. This is the real turning point for Isaiah. This is the point where he's experienced all this stuff. He's experienced the forgiveness and grace of God and he's put his trust in him. Now is the time to use it. God's spoken to him in this moment. In these moments where God wants to reveal himself to us, he's going to speak to us. Like I said before, he's going to speak and he's going to, um, and he's going to ask us to respond. And we are going to need to listen and respond. God demonstrates that trust when he says here I am send me and he responds by saying God use me send me out I will I will do whatever you need I mean imagine I guess put put the Israelites in Isaiah's place here where God's saying whom shall I send and who will go for us they're like oh Moses will go send him <laughs> imagine if Isaiah is like oh you know I I think I think like you could raise Elijah from the dead I mean, and, and he could go he could do that yeah I don't I don't need to go but no, Isaiah is like, he sees God is like calling out for someone to serve him. And he's just seen the grace of God. He's just seen the mercy and abundance of God. And he's gone like, I need to respond to this. 
these, these encounters with God need a response. When we get a revelation of God, they need to have a response. Like I said earlier, God is always speaking and always looking for those who will respond with obedience to Him. So we need to recognize that in these moments it's about what God wants, not what we want. Yeah? So that's that same humility to put God first in front of us. And we can come into moments of worship sometimes where we go, all right, God, I need this. Please give me this. I need that. Please give me that. But no, it's about God, my kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's about putting God first and saying, my needs be your needs, God. Align my heart to yours. Bring me closer to you, Jesus. And you can see, like, through this response that Isaiah makes, he actually becomes one of the most prolific prophets in Israel's history. He writes this massive book, I think it's 60-something chapters or something ridiculous, and it's just all these revelations that God gives him. God speaks to him and, and uses him. And actually, his, he, one of his um, um, prophecies is, is, is actually the one that like, uh, calls Jesus and actually heralds his coming. So, really important person in the history of the church. And worship by singing with music is a moment where you can draw closer to God. It's one moment. There's plenty of other moments. God's, like I said before, God's glory is all throughout the earth. We can respond in any moment. But this is this and like um, other moments and other moments are good examples of where we can respond to God through music and singing. So if you take like one thing away from this message, let it be that God wants revelations of who he is to shape who you are and what you do. And not just when you first come to God. So not just, we often talk about that first moment where God reveals himself. Like say a Paul, Paul to Damascus Road, uh, Paul on Damascus Road, where God reveals himself and changes him forever. And we think, okay, that's, that's the moment. When we first come to God, that's where, we, where it changes and it flips. But no, Isaiah was already following God at this point. Isaiah wasn't, wasn't like sitting and not doing anything. He, th- there's, this is chapter 6. There's a few chapters before where Isaiah's doing stuff. He's, 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 pre, he, he's a prophet already. And this moment changes God, changes him then, this moment with God. So we need to constantly be tapping into God. God's constantly revealing himself, constantly wants to bring newness and life and revelation to us. So if that's one thing you take away, responding and always being open to God in, these, in, this, in this way is really important. So to close, I'm just going to share one more story. It's the New Testament one. I told you, I promised you I had a New Testament one. Um, it's found in Acts when Paul and Silas are in prison. But the center of this story that I want to get to is not about Paul and Silas. It's about the jailer. Um, I think we often focus on Paul and Silas in this moment, but I really want to focus on what the jailer's response is here. So let's read Acts 16, 25 to 34. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Straight away, they're praying and singing hymns. It's that same thing. It's like putting God first and singing and, and, and connecting with Him through worship. Twenty-six. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. This is the act, this is the moment that we talk about where God almost demands awe and, 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 and adoration. God sends an earthquake that flings the doors open and breaks their shackles off. Like, earthquakes don't just do that. This is like a, <laughs> this is a supernatural moment. 
and it has to res- and you have and to when that happens because of because i because um paul and silas were praying and singing hymns god responds and and saves them in that moment so that's the that's the miracle of god there and then the jailer woke in verse 27 and saw the prison got that a bit yep and and saw the prison doors were open he drew his sword and was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped but paul cried with a loud voice do not harm yourself we are all here and the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. This is the next moment, humility. The jailer is ready to end it. He's, he, he knows he's stuffed up. He knows this, this moment's flipped. He was the man in power before. He was, he was, he was the one over the, over the people in jail, and it's flipped. God's flipped it, and all of a sudden, he's at the bottom of the chain. He's the one that stuffed up. The prisoners could just go in. He, he, he might have been a cruel man. The prisoners could have beat him. They could have ran in and just, and just like, they could have just ran out and left him there and he would have just been there with no prisoners and he would have been as good as dead. But through Paul and Silas, we realize God's grace in that moment. And the jailer experiences God's grace in that moment. And he responds with humility. He falls down before Paul and Silas. Verse 30, then he brought them out, the jailer that is, and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. This is the second miracle of the story. This jailer is ready to, is ready to die. He's as good as death. He's bound for death. He's stuffed up. The, the, all, 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 all of his prisoners have got out, and that's the, and the punishment for that is going to be death. But he doesn't just get life on earth. He gets that amazing gift where God brings his grace and peace into his, his grace into his life and gives him life eternal. This jailer, who's a Gentile, then gets ushered into the kingdom of God because of this moment where God reveals himself to him through Paul and Silas and through this and through this amazing miracle. This is the second miracle. He's saved from he's saved from death. This this is the moment like where Isaiah gets gets healed or gets um forgiven for his for his sins. This is the same moment for this jailer. It's parallels with that trust. So now this is the opportunity for the jailer to respond and trust in God. And he does in the next verse. And he took them in verse 33, the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them into his house and set food before them and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Amen. Availability. This, this jailer has had a revolutionary encounter with God and his response is not that of going back to the same he doesn't get stuck. He doesn't go. He, he doesn't stay in that "woe well, is me" state. He he responds to God and goes, "I want to be baptized. I want to be part of your kingdom, and I want to live for you, him, and all of his family." He responds with obedience to the word of God. There's countless other stories like this in the Bible, but this is a really good example. Um, I think we usually focus on the fact that God breaks. Paul and Silas had a prison, which is an amazing miracle, but he also saves this jailer, this man who, d- who didn't follow him, who didn't know about him, and he saves him in this moment. So God loves us. 
He wants to reveal to He wants to reveal Himself to us more and more. But it's up to us to respond in the right way. So there's four points. Or leads to humility, leads to an act of trust in God so that we can make ourselves available to Him. I just want to end with, um, I want to do, um, I want to play through Egypt to end just so we have a bit of joy to come out of it. But also Egypt is a really good song for, um, for that um, I, like, it, like it shows that awe of, of God and that amazing act of Him leading the Israelites out of Egypt. So I want us to sing that song in a moment, but I just want to pray first. So just pray that we can act in the right way and respond in the right way to God. So I'll just pray. Jesus, I thank you for your presence, Lord God. I thank you that you're constantly revealing and giving us revelations of yourself, Lord Jesus, and that you're constantly opening new doors in our life, Lord God. God, and that I thank you that we're your temple now and you can fill us anytime if we just ask for it, if we seek first your kingdom, Lord God. And God, I pray that you help us to respond in the right way, that you help us to recognize that you are awesome and powerful and that our response would be of awe of you, Lord Jesus. And God, I pray that leads us to repentance in these moments. It leads us to that understanding that it's all about you, God. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. God, I thank you that you, through, through that response, Lord God, you intervene for us and you, and, you, and you provide for us in our need. And Lord, I thank you that we can put our trust in you. God, I thank you that we can put our trust in you. And God, I pray that we repay that trust by making ourselves available to you, Lord God. That we hear from you, that, that we hear from you, Lord God. And we don't just, we don't ignore it, Lord God, but we take that away and we obey. Lord, I pray that for myself. I pray that I obey you, Lord God, and that I hear you more. God, and I thank you for your amazing presence, your amazing love, your grace, your peace, everything about you, your, this endless supply of awe. And God, I pray that you continue to have moments where you reveal yourself to us. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.